We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. That's one of Tommy's favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. Tommy saw Bruce the other night. We're going to hear all about it. We're going to get a concert review from Tommy on today's show. Uh, boy, there is a lot to talk about. If you missed yesterday's show, Galdi was on with me, and both of us had just watched the Ron Rivera uh, presser uh, out in Phoenix, and we reacted to a lot of it, but I want to get Tommy's reaction to it uh, today uh, as well. And, of course, um, all the ownership news yesterday, and one of the bids may include RG3. We got to get to that as well. Uh, good day, everybody. So, um, your fr- first ever Springsteen concert, how was it? Well, this is what I posted on Twitter and Facebook after the concert with a picture of where we were for the concert. Hold on. Let me pull it now up. Now I want to see it. Okay, go ahead. Keep talking. Okay. I posted just simply, now I get it. Now you get it. Okay. Yeah. And I do. And what I mean by that is, I mean, look, I've been a Springsteen fan. I have lots of songs on, on my playlist of Bruce. But I never felt, uh, the opportunity was never driven for me to go see him. Right. And I realized, you know, that was sort of like a missed opportunity. And this may be the last time, chance to do that. So I took it up this time. How couldn't you have gotten better seats? How couldn't you have gotten better seats? What are you talking about? They cost a lot of money. Well, you know people. You're you're Tom Lavero. (laughs) Yeah, but at, at that place... I'm, I'm more like my name is Persona Nongrata. <laughs> yeah, but the, wiz- the Wizards don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> but it's the same landlord, buddy. Okay. Well, you, could, you know what? Doing me any I'll tell you. You know who would have done you a favor? Ted would have done you a favor. Ted likes you. Oh, he would. I wouldn't. Yeah. 
Ted, Ted can't stand me. Plus, I wouldn't ask him <laughs> no, for right. a favor. I think actually Ted doesn't. Uh, I, 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 I think Ted likes you more than you think. I think Ted, actually, I think Ted appreciates you. Let me say it that way. He may not like all the criticism that comes from you uh, for his teams or even for him, but I think he appreciates you. Remember he had us up, wasn't it, weren't we together the night he had us up to um, to his suite to watch a no, hockey game? I was not, I've never been in his suite except once to question him for a column I was doing. Who, but, was, who uh, was with us that? That was a long time ago. I thought you, yeah, we were, we were together. Okay. Um, Listen, I mean, the story, the, the story about Ted is uh, one time on his blog, Ted's Take, mm-hmm. or whatever it was called back then, he wrote, after I kind of criticized him about something, he quote, I really like Tom Lavero. He's very smart and funny and very creative in what he writes. And then he said, but, you know. Yeah. So... I sent that blog to Stan Caston, and I said, look, Stan, why don't you say such nice things about me? <laughs> and Stan responded back, because Ted's better at fiction than I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, um, so, but, no, I mean, look. All right, tell me about uh, the concert. You about your the your seats. seats were upper deck here, it looks like. Yeah, but let me tell you about the seats, because that's a story in itself. Oh, boy. Our seats, initially, were far worse. Far, far worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, the only seats worse than what we had originally were was the last row behind us. If we, where the stage was, we were 180 degree, degrees in the opposite direction, right? All the way up in the 400 section on the next to last row mm-hmm. before the wall. So you couldn't get any worse except the row of seats behind us. Uh, so I start making my way up the steps and this usher takes pity on me uh, and says, look, it, why don't you go to guest services and exactly. say, you know, there's a lot of steps and you'd really not like to deal with it if you could get seats with maybe a better step situation. I didn't even know this even was possible. I've told you about uh, so, this before. You don't remember anything okay. I tell you, but I'll tell my story <laughs> after you're done. Okay. So, so I went to guest services, and they handed me a note that said, give this to the usher, and our seats improved dramatically. We went from being 90, 180 degrees, so we went from being at 6 o'clock, if Bruce was at 12 o'clock, to being at, at 9 o'clock, closer to 10 o'clock. Okay? Yeah. So our seats improved Pity dramatically. Seats. Those, huh? Pity seats. Yes. So uh, I had no book. Would I have loved to have been closer? Yeah, but considering where we could have been, we had a pretty good view of everything. Okay. Uh, I was real happy with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so the whole seat situation. Now, what is it you wanted to tell me well, that I t- forgot? Well, first of all, uh, how was parking? Was your parking okay? <laughs> well, we par- look, there's, there's a lot I found, a 24-hour lot on Massachusetts Avenue, right next to where I teach at Georgetown. Yeah. That's a really good lot. And then you Uber? Two, well, it's only two blocks away from the arena. Mass Ave. At, two and a half blocks. Yeah, but you said Mass Ave, like, near Georgetown. No, Mass Ave near, 
where, where I teach is the 600 block oh, of Massachusetts Oh, okay, Avenue. got it. Sorry. I thought you were yeah, talking was, like, yeah. you know, Mass Ave no, at no, the no, top no. of Georgetown, headed down. To, no, you, no, no, Okay, no. all right, got it. So, no, so, so, okay. so we park in that place, you know, because it, it's very convenient, 24 hours, easy, in and out. And we walked to the arena, and, and we got there early because I didn't know what to expect. Right. You know, I expected mass chaos, Yeah. you know, like at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for uh, doors opening at 6.30, and that wasn't the case. So uh, so we kind of hung around. We went to Clyde's, had a couple of drinks, uh, and, and hung around. And we happened to get in first in line, though, because we were there to get in the door. So that was pretty easy. We had a real easy experience. Good. Well, you know, you, I, want to, I want to commend the Capital One Arena. Uh, they really handled everything very well, I thought, at least from my end. How long did he play? He played almost three hours. Yeah. I'd say about 2.45 or something like that. Uh, when we were outside uh, hanging out, we were on 6th Street for a while, and all the tour buses were parked on 6th Street. And I said to my friend Pete, my best friend who I took with me, uh, to the show, uh, I said, "Why would you, why would you keep doing this? You don't need the money. I mean, you're 73 years old. Why would, why would you keep putting up with this?" And then after I saw the show, I said to myself, "Why wouldn't you do this? Right. If I could do what he did, I would do it until I can't do it anymore." <clears throat> yeah, I got a friend of mine that's probably seen Bruce. A hundred times. No exaggeration. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I get the repetition. I get it. Uh, he was amazing. Yeah. I, he was just, it's, it's just amazing. It, it, was, it was a terrific show. I had a great time. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he's playing, he's playing at Cam, he's playing at Nats Park again, I think, in August. So, and at Camden Yards in September, I'm thinking of going again. So three hours, uh, was it just one long encore or multiple encores? Uh, there were two encores. The last one was uh, an acoustic uh, song. I forget what the hell it was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just Bruce playing a harmonica and playing the acoustic guitar. Uh, but uh, you know, there were there like about five or six songs before the end. Everyone thought it was the end, and everyone stood up. Mm-hmm. And then they came back out, and right. you know, they played about five more songs. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it's just 73 years old, and, and there was like no moment. You know, you've been to concerts where sometimes people will sit, like the performer will stop after a while, you know, wipe himself off, you know, take a drink of water, talk to the crowd for about five minutes yeah, or something like that, or ten minutes to catch their breath. None of that. I just, Zero. I just pulled up the set list from the show the other night. Do you ever go look at set list? Um dot com or no. setlist.fm. I don't go to that I don't go to that many shows. Okay. So. so um the encore was Thunder Road, Born to Run, Rosalita, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, and then I'll See You in My Dreams was the solo acoustic That was the last one. At the end. Yeah. yeah. And the last song yeah. before the encore was Badlands. Um yeah. so what I was gonna tell you, and I've told you before, I know I have. Um I <laughs> it's kind of 
Look, whatever. Uh, I don't like sitting where you sat. And so in the past, if I ended up with seats like that, you know, like I got tickets from somebody else or somebody left me tickets and they were bad seats, I learned a long time ago that if you go to guest services with a pretty good story, they have seats that are really good sitting there to hand to disgruntled customers. And so I've done that on an occasion or five over oh the years God. where, oh my God. where I've had quite the story. But um, I, I've told you, I, I've seen Bruce, I think, three times, I think. And one of the times I saw him was in Philadelphia with my good friend Billy McGolrick. And Billy and I were there, and the seats that Billy had were not very good seats. And I said, follow me. He said, where are we going? So we're going to guest services. Came up with a kind of a story of how, you know, somebody was a little bit unruly and they had gotten sick and we can't even sit in those seats. And we were literally third row on the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I um, didn't get that. I didn't. I didn't get upgraded like that. No, but you, but but you I was don't, so happy you, not to be where we had been. You don't always get we upgraded to that. You don't always get upgraded uh-huh. to that. Sometimes you just get yeah. you know the the minor upgrade like you got, which was you yes. know somebody noticed you. By the way, that's good customer service. That yes, somebody it is. saw you. I mean, you know, she volunteered it. Right. She volunteered it to me. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So good. and it was it was a whole it was a whole look. I mean, it was a haul for me, but my buddy Pete, who's in much better shape, it was a haul for him, too, because <laughs> right. he's the same age as me. Yeah. Um, so. so you'll do it again, maybe in August at Nats Park. Either there or Camden Yards in September. Here's a question. Uh, I may do it again. So now, here's the problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I, want to bring my, I wanted to bring my wife, but she had a back issue and couldn't go. Right. So now you, so next time call, you take her, you take Pete. Liz. Yeah. Yeah, but but she but she won't she won't want to go because she would think it'd be too much money. She's not into it as much as I am. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, there is a value proposition there. If you're not really but into not it that me. much, I know. Now, not now. Not now. Not for me. I understand. I will get better seats right. if I go again. Yeah. Okay, I'll pay to get better seats. So if my, I go again this time, my question is, and I've heard he is still incredible you know, uh, at his age, live. You, I mean, I've heard that from multiple people. I told you, uh, I had a yes. couple of friends that saw yes. him at Bryce Jordan, went up to Penn State to see him. I saw, I had a couple of friends that went to the show that you were at the other night. And it's like there's not much of a difference from him 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I know you haven't seen him it, live, but you didn't think that this was an older person performing. No, again, I mean, for the encore, this is after two hours of playing. Yeah. I mean, his energy was just seemed like the same as it had been at the beginning of the show. Right. I mean, you know, I don't see how you can, 73 years old, and to do what they did, what he did was just, was part of the marvel about it. But, uh, and, and the thing was, the crowd, I mean, the Springsteen crowd, and they sang every song. And I bet you Bruce put his microphone out to the crowd at least 20 times that, that, that night. Right. You know, or yeah. more, you well, know, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, that's, by the way, uh, what Bruce does. And I think a lot of bands understand this, that, 
you know, you don't, after all of this time, show up and play all of your new stuff. <laughs> That's not what people are there for. Um, and I don't even know what his new stuff would be. But I remember, I don't know, three years ago, I went to Wolf Trap, actually, to see Steve Winwood. Um, and he, pl- he had an album out, you know, that he had just put out and that's what he played the entire night. And you didn't get any back in the high life again album. You just got his new stuff. That is not a good reading of the room situation. That's not why people come to see, you know, acts that are 40 years old, 30 years old. They come to hear the hits. So Springsteen played the hits. But I remember I saw the Stones, Tommy, like 10 years ago. It was roughly 10 years ago at Capital One. And it was terrible. I mean, because I've seen the Stones a lot, you know, going back to the early 80s, you know, the first time I ever saw them. Uh, and Yeah, I saw them once in Philly at JFK Stadium. In '81, and this, and, and they I, were great. And I walked out of there, and I said, "Never again." I mean, it's over. I mean, it just, you know, they, it, they were older, and it just wasn't nearly the same. But Bruce is still killing it, oh. I guess. Um, yeah. All right. Well, a- a- absolutely. It, it was. It was. I am so glad I did it. Good for you. Uh, from yes. Jack on uh, Twitter. Great show. I respect your hustle. Thanks, Jack, and you hadn't even heard about the way I got uh, upgraded tickets at sporting <laughs> events and concerts. Um, and then from uh, Rocco on uh, Apple's reviews, five stars, enjoyed Tom's reports from Destin. We will miss his confident singing from Kenny D's. Uh, thank you, Jay Rocco. Uh, appreciate that review. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. And don't forget to follow us. If you're not following us on Apple and Spotify, that's really helpful too. There's a big uh, follow button in the upper right-hand corner on your phone for the uh, for the Apple Podcasts uh, app and for the Spotify app, if you're listening to us on Spotify, the follow button's on the left-hand side about midway down the screen. Um, we're going to get to a lot of football today. I wanted to read this tweet that I got um, from Greg. Kevin, I agree that the call at the end of the Creighton-San Diego State game wasn't consistent with how the game had been officiated. As you said, it shouldn't have been called, but I'd ask you if there's another way to look at it. If it hadn't been called and San Diego State lost in overtime, would San Diego State have whined about the missed call at the end of the game? I don't think so. Uh, Thank you, Greg, for the tweet. I totally agree with that. You and I debated it the other day on Monday. I didn't like the call because it wasn't consistent with the way the game had been called. I mean, technically, that was by rule a foul, but so were like 25 other plays during the course of the game. And it was called very loosely. They let them play. They let them beat each other up in the entire way. And then you get a little bit of a hand on a hip. And yeah, I did think, and I told you this, Tommy, I thought it did probably affect the shot. Um, but I don't think in that game or maybe any game, if the whistle hadn't blown that we would have been sitting there watching a bunch of replays with Ian Eagle and Jim Spinarkle talking about the missed whistle. And I don't think as Greg, uh, uh, Greg said that San Diego state would have been whining about the missed call at the end of regulation oh, they would if the have. game had they, gone they, to they, overtime they, and they would have lost. I totally agree with they Greg. They absolutely would have. 
They would have because there'd be constant replays about it. I'm just, I just told you, I don't even think there would have been a replay. I think the whistle oh, is... Oh, there would have been. Oh, no, I don't did. think so. I think Greg's got a really good point. I think he's got a really uh, good I point on that one. Ta- you're talking yourself into something that wouldn't... Well, I'm not talking case. myself into. everything. It? The, 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 the TV replays everything. That would have been replayed constantly. It would have been a source of contention the next day. I don't agree. Missed call. I don't agree. And, and and it's not just because I don't think it should have been called because it wasn't consistent with the way the game was being called. I think if the game had been called closely, that that was such a minor infraction that there wouldn't have been a lot of angst over it. I, I don't. I, it I think, would have been I tremendous right. angst. It was a foul. He shoved him. No, he didn't shove him. He, I tell you what. He pushed him. Remember, when he we, was we, in didn't, the we air decided on nudge. Shot. We decided on nudge. Nudge was the proper While way to describe it. While he was in the air, taking a shot. Uh-huh. If this was a Maryland game, you would have been going nuts. <laughs> well, and and somebody pointed out when I read this tweet this morning, somebody tweeted me and said, "Stop whining. You lost your bet. Yes, overtime would have been better for me because I had Creighton laying two and a half. But I think we decided that it was a nudge or a poke." Um, it was not a uh, it was not a shove. Um, it was far from an egregious foul by any stretch of the imagination, no matter how the game was called. Uh, but I agree with you, Greg. Tommy doesn't. Um, all right. Uh, so, where do we start today? Like, where do you want to start? Because I spent with Galdi yesterday forty five minutes going through the Rivera media. Uh, encounter uh, roundtable out in Phoenix yesterday. I'm assuming you've heard or, or read a lot about it, right? Yes. Yes, and I have it here in front of me. I breezed through the whole transcript once. Uh, you didn't, you didn't watch it. I was... You didn't watch it. No, I didn't watch okay. it. All right. No. So what are I your big takeaways? It, I... Well, again, it's not a big takeaway, but I mean, I'm focused on this, so I can't just I can't get it out of my mind. You know, what does, okay, uh, Sam Howe is quarterback one, but there's going to be a competition. So what specifically does that mean? Does that mean they will get equal amounts of stats in practice? That Jacoby Brissett will get the same amount of snaps with the first team that, that Sam Howe will get? And if that's not the case, then it's not really a quarterback competition. And if that is the case, then Sam Howell isn't quarterback anything. I, I'm going to play the sound for everybody, um, which is the the money soundbite to address what Tom is saying or to, to, to make sure everybody understands what he's saying. This was Ron Rivera on the quarterback competition uh, and whether or not it's open. I think... I think it's open right now. I really do. I mean, again, all I said was Sam's going to get the first crack. I didn't say Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. And if Jacoby comes through and earns it, I'll play Jacoby. I'm going to play the guy that we we believe at the end of the day gives us the best chance to win football games. That was one of many different um, remarks about the quarterback situation, but that was the one that was most clear. Okay? I didn't say... All I said was that Sam was going to get the first crack. I didn't say that Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. If Jacoby comes through and earns it, I'll play Jacoby. 
I'm going to play the guy that we believe at the end of the day gives us the best chance at winning football games. I talked about this with Galdi yesterday. This is obviously one of the big, you know, takeaways from uh, this this media roundtable. By the way, you know, I thought you were going to lead with how hard he sold Sam Howell, talking about all the mock drafters that had him, you know, mocked much higher. I mean, that was embarrassing. Yeah, I, I mean, that was embarrassing. I've already ex- exposed uh, – he's already been exposed because he didn't even want to start the guy in the season finale. Yeah. Um, and so th- everything he says from here on in is all bullshit. So now he is selling Sam hard, just like he sold Carson hard last year. And anytime you've got to sell a guy that hard, it means you're not entirely sure either. You're trying to talk yourself yeah. into it. But back to um, the soundbite that I just played. Yes, I mean, look, he he's going to come up with something the next time he speaks that'll sound completely different. As Galdi calls yeah. it, Ronnie's. We've all learned how to speak Ronnie's. But, you know, that is, to me, and I have had this sense, especially since they signed Brissett to an $8 million guaranteed deal. I think that Sam Howell was a PR move here in the offseason. I think they were trying to distance themselves from the end of the ugly the ugly ending to the season, the Cleveland game, and boy, Sam Howell beat the Cowboys, and he played pretty well, even though he only completed 11 passes out of 19 attempted, but he ran well, and this is a guy that we can sell here, and we can move the conversation away from the end of the season to look at what we might have going into 2023. And he came up with that in, you know, probably, I can't remember specific specifically when he was interviewed, but it was like three or four days after the season ended, he slapped that QB1 label on Sam Howell, and now he's kind of been backtracking ever since. So it kind of helped with a little bit of PR to begin with, and it's not a bad thing to, to continue to pitch that he may be your guy, but I think that this is a competition. I think they are going into this year that Biennemi needs to play and needs to coach a solid offense and prove that he can do it away from uh, do it uh, away from Andy Reid. Oh, you know Rivera, even though I don't think he you know necessarily is going to care much if it doesn't work out. I'm sure he'd like to win, and I'm sure he'd like to get that last year of his deal. They're going to play the guy that gives him the best chance to win. I do believe him when he said that. I do now. Ben thinks, Standing thinks, that the competition is this. It's a 100-yard dash, and Sam Howell's got a 10-yard head start. And then let's see where it ends. And if, if Brissett catches him and passes him, it's his job. That Sam Howell well, has a little bit of a quarterback, lead. Any quarterback will tell you that's not a competition then. They will, t- they will tell you about the importance of first-team snaps. Well, Tommy, they all will tell you about that. When it's not a competition, they tell you it's not a competition. Like the the Falcons yesterday announced Desmond Ritter is our starting quarterback for the upcoming season. There's no competitive, you know, landscape for training camp or off season with with Taylor Heineke in Atlanta. That's not necessarily a 10-yard head start. You still have a chance to catch him, pass him and win the job, which means that it is somewhat open. I don't know if I agree with Ben, but I don't. Ag- I don't think it's a fifty-fifty. We'll just see. We'll give him equal reps because he has said we're giving Sam the first crack. Yes, I so, know that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm saying, but 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 it's not a competition if it's not a fair split. 
It can be a competition. Look, you know what? J- you know? Jay Gruden, look, Jay, when Jay Gruden picked Kirk finally to be the starting quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, he declared that it was a competition after he picked Kirk, right. even though before he picked Kirk, he said that it wasn't a competition. Right. And I remember Cole McCoy telling me, you know, if it was a competition, I wish somebody had told me about it. Right. Yeah. You know, so this is, a, this is not small shit, this language that he's using. Look, I agree with you about the PR thing. I, 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 and I think, like I said on the last podcast, I think Jacoby Brissett is going to be their starting quarterback uh, for, for the team this season. Uh, because they are going to go with the best chance, uh, the guy who, who has the best chance. So to he's going to win the non-competition because you don't think this is a competition yeah. with it with a slight head start given to Sam. No, I don't think it's a fair competition. Oh, fair competition. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. I think it's a competition, though. I do think it's a competition. I think Jacoby Brissett can win the starting job here in this off season through tra- through training camp and through the preseason. I think, you know, you're predicting it. I definitely think there's a chance that Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback on opening day. Now, I do think that the ideal situation for everybody out there, and by the way, I would uh, also throw in everybody that roots for this team, the ideal situation is for Sam Howell to emerge as the better quarterback and to start next season and to, you know, have won the job, won the competition with a head start or without it. Because we know what Jacoby Brissett is. You know, we have a pretty strong feeling about what he is. He's a high-end backup, low-end starter. Now, is he possibly Geno Smith? Maybe, but, you know, I wouldn't count on that. You know, Jacoby Brissett is a nice player, but he's not a star. He's not a franchise quarterback. So, ideally, Sam Howell wins whatever you want to describe this, however you want to describe this, that he wins it and he is the starter. But I think that Brissett has a chance to be the starter. Okay. Uh, let's say in the preseason games, uh, it wasn't a clear-cut situation. Yeah. Okay. Or it wasn't obvious that Brissett should have the job. And they name. My point is, would you believe, unless there's a clear-cut evidence that Sam Howe was clearly the better guy, would you believe that if they pick Sam Howe to be the starter, that it's a valid selection? I, I've told you before the, uh, before about preseason games. I just don't think, I think that's such a small part of what goes I into said, a coach's decision. Okay. So it's, Unless it's obvious to everyone that Sam Howe should be the starter, do you think any selection of Sam Howe is a valid selection? Yes. I don't. Okay, but I I'm, think the coach has I don't, zero credibility. I don't think that there's None. anything obvious that we're going to see. I think what's what will be more obvious is if we're hearing things. We're you know every single day when the coaches are talking during training camp, whether it's Bienemy or Rivera or Zampezi or the quarterbacks themselves or other players. You know we're hearing from the beat reporters who are, are getting to watch training camp practices every day. I think that if it's, you know, I think where we, where we would fall into the category of disbelieving and having no confidence in the decision is if we're hearing and seeing all along and then also seeing it in preseason games that Sam Howell isn't very good and they start him anyway. That, that wouldn't be a good situation. I just don't think we'll learn that from just watching the preseason games. Now, what we will learn from the preseason games is if they start Brissett 
in one game and they start, you know, Sam Howell in the next, if they're giving him equal first team reps against first team competition. That's always a part of the preseason evaluation too. Well, who were they playing against? Who were they playing with? That's what makes that part of it hard. I think we're going to I think, you know, if there's one if one or the other is obviously much better, we're going to be hearing that before they even play the first preseason game. That's what I think. Okay. I mean, I I think you got a coach with no credibility who uh has shown his inclination to back the horse that he picks, uh, no matter how shaky that horse may be. Yeah, but he, he's – this isn't – I mean, this is his call, I guess, but Eric Bieniemy is going to have a significant voice in who starts a quarterback. If he doesn't, then I don't think he got the job that he you know, left Kansas City for. What if Eric Bieniemy says to Ron – I know that you'd like to start Sam, but we can't compete with Sam here early in the season if we start Sam. I'm not sure we can ever compete with Sam. I liked Sam, too. I told you how much I liked him. We've gone through a complete offseason, a complete training camp, and a complete preseason, and I'm telling you that there's a significant difference. That is the X factor, is the enemy. He's going to have much more of a forceful personality, and he has the, the resume uh, to have an impact in what he says as compared to Scott Turner, who who may or may not have been reluctant to speak his mind about uh, Carson Wentz in, in those situations uh, in, in training camp. Whereas Eric Bieniemy, based on what we know from afar, is no shrinking violet. And he, he, I, he's not going to back down from what he possibly believes in. And his word will certainly carry more weight than Scott Turner's word would have. The other thing, too, is you if they end up starting Sam Howell and it's not obvious to you during preseason, Ron will just tell you, I'm not saying that he will specifically or literally tell you, but he would just tell those that said, hey, what are you doing here? You don't have any credibility. This guy you know, didn't win the job and you're just doing it because you slapped the QB1 label. He would basically tell you that he, he doesn't remember slapping any label on anything. That he was telling you all off season that this was a competition. We were going to pick the guy that we thought won the competition, and we thought Sam edged Jacoby out. That's what it was always about. I mean, he changes his stories so uh, so often. So I don't know. I think that um, Sam was a a label. The QB one label was really kind of a, a gut feel by Rivera in the moment that he could sell this that it would create some excitement, it would create some look over here, don't look back at the Cleveland game and the disgraceful way in which the se- this season ended and me for not even knowing that we could be eliminated from the postseason, which really was probably yeah. more embarrassing for him than even oh. the Wentz start. Um, yes, uh, so, that, that, that's a fireball offense to make. So he you know, slapped the QB1 label on Sam, and he's been backtracking ever since, and I think we actually are going to have uh, a competition. I would be shocked if Jacoby Brissett was told anything other than, hey, you're going to have a chance to compete for the starting job. You know, and, I know that, but that's what they say, and what they say and what they do mm-hmm. are often two right. different things. The other thing that was big out of this, and I'm, what else? What, what other big takeaways from Ron's presser yesterday for you? 
what their lack of interest in Lamar Jackson. Uh, that uh, we knew about from. I mean, we've known that for a while, and Mayhew emphasized that uh, again. No, that's th- right. I-, I thought you would go to something else. Is there anything else? There was another big deal. Yes, that's that was the that was the other big thing, because he basically blamed not being able to make a decision on Chase Young's option on the ownership situation. They've got to wait until the new ownership is in place, so that they can get that approved. That's bullshit. That that just doesn't that doesn't make any sense. They didn't have to get Deron Payne. I mean, by extension. If you believe that to be true, then the new ownership is already in place because they approved the Duran Payne extension, and they yes. they Good approved point. all the other stuff. So I, I I just think that Ron was you know stumbling, bumbling, and being evasive in a way that wasn't smooth, and he just came up with in the moment ownership. Yeah, we got to wait for ownership, and then somebody said, well, what if ownership's not in place by May second? Or do you know that ownership's well, going to be in place by May 2nd? He said, no, I don't have any idea what to expect. It was the question, whoever asked the, asked the question, that gave Ron the ownership opportunity. The question was, what kind of effect the transition of ownership will have on roster building? Yeah. And that's when he came up with the new ownership uh, no, but thing. that's not what you know, he, somebody, that, that that's not on Chase Young's option. The specific answer to Chase Young's option was different. You, you're looking at a different part of the. Uh, uh, the no, that, it that, follows that was right follow-up. after, right? Yeah, that was, was the follow-up. follow-up to Chase Young. Yes, yes, I know. Right. Yes. Yeah, but that wasn't the question about Chase Young's fifth year option. Somebody specifically asked, "Where are you on Chase Young's fifth year option?" The follow-up after yes, he brought he brought ownership into the conversation. That's true. You're right. You yeah. did. Yeah, we have to go to them and find out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we know what you're saying, Ron. We <laughs> absolutely know what you're saying. That you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anything else from yesterday? We'll get to the ownership stuff and the RG3 stuff in the next segment. Anything else? No. Nothing yeah. else. The, the, Except, it, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Who the starting quarterback is if they can't if they don't have a better offensive line? It certainly would help if the offensive line were better. Yes, uh, it, yeah, because, because, because because they do I have think Patrick if the Mahomes. Offensive line is is serviceable. I think they can be competitive with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, and maybe Sam Howell for all we know. Uh, all right, yeah. let's get to um, the. Apostolopoulos and the Harris bids, uh, according to Schefter, being fully funded and submitted. We'll get Tommy's reaction to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tommy, the over-under for Washington in 2023 for wins is seven and a half. You go on over. Boy, that's a familiar or under. number. Yes, it's exactly the same number as last year. Even though the number last year actually went up as we approached the season, there were there was growing confidence among betters. Seven and a half right now, over or under? I would say over. Over seven and a half, but you probably at eight. You think they'll win eight games? Yes. I last year nine at nine nine if they're successful. I loved the over seven and a half, over eight, over eight and a half last year. Um, I predicted eight, eight and one, so I didn't love eight and a half. I had it over seven and a half, and I won that bet, one of the preseason props. I would not be confident wagering either side this year, but if I had to wager on it, I think I'd go over as well, but just barely over. Um, yeah. This segment of the show is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will allow you to wager your deposit amount one time and cash out. It's perfect for the Final Four and the National Championship this weekend. You go to MyBookie.ag. In the area that says promo code, you put KevinDC in there. If there's something already there, erase it and write KevinDC. And you deposit whatever amount you want. You wager that amount. doesn't have to be in one bet. It can be, you know, both Final Four games, prop bets, whatever, and they've got everything you need on the Final Four. Uh, and then you can cash out once you've wagered in aggregate your deposit amount. Uh, go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. I did put out a poll with the 7.5 over uh, under number for Washington, and 62.5% of the respondents said over 7.5. So people are a little bit more optimistic about the team this year. I think actually there was some optimism about the team last year as well. Um, All right. Uh, Your reaction to the stories that Schefter had out yesterday about Steve Apostolopoulos, the Canadian billionaire, and Josh Harris, Mitch Rails, Magic Johnson, that bid, both of them having submitted fully funded $6 billion dollars Uh, $6 billion bids to buy the Commanders from Dan Snyder, uh, getting Snyder two bids at the number he wants. What did you think? Well, first of all, the Greek A, uh, or uh, can you pronounce his name? You do it so well now. Apostolopoulos. Okay. Wow. That's magical when you do that. I don't know if it's right, but I think it is. Apostolopoulos. Yeah, the Greek A, or as I uh, teased people, Stephen A. (laughs) <laughs> Stephen A's <laughs> bidding on the team. Um, all right. What, well, what, if he ahead. winds up owning the team, there's going to be like a Greek sports empire in the DMV. True. Right. I mean, between Ted Leonsis, if Ted winds up eventually buying the Nationals in particular, you're going to have uh, Greek ownership of every sports franchise in this town, except for the United, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know, it's only right to include them, right? Yes, uh, but even up the road in Baltimore, you got Peter Angelo, right? You know, it's it's, it's like it's like a Greek diner on every corner or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing no, wrong with no. a Greek diner. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, 
I, what else? Um, you know, uh, I still think Jeff Bezos is going to be in play. Okay. There's so Schefter reported these things yesterday. He had, you know, he said a source told Adam Schefter. By the way, Brian Windhorst contributed to the uh, Apostolopoulos uh, story again with Schefter. Uh, Neil and Rockville said, you know, who does Brian Windhorst know better than anybody else? Who's the guy that made Brian Windhorst? LeBron James. Maybe LeBron James is a part of the Apostolopoulos bid. Um, Anyway. Uh, RG three might be a, a part of the Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails uh, bid. So I, you know, I talked about this earlier in the week. You know, I had an understanding, and I was told that, you know, the Harris bid was in, but they weren't going to go to six billion dollars. And that still, to me, of the two tweets, although you know the Apostolopoulos is a surprise too, other than we had heard the name last week, but the fact that he actually did bid. Um, you know, I don't know that any of us were expecting that. I hadn't heard his name before last Friday. Uh, the part of, of the Schefter story that, to me, I still wonder whether or not there's some fancy accounting going on or, or something. I was told that Harris, the Harris Rails bid was not going to get to $6 billion. They didn't think what they were offering that it was worth that, and they were not going to get to $6 billion. And, you know, there's, you know, it's possible that Snyder is the source for these stories, and once again, he's trying to gin up, you know, Bezos, because Gasparino put out a tweet again yesterday saying, you know, they wouldn't be, uh, they wouldn't be against Bezos making a bid, that that's just all overblown, that Snyder absolutely would accept a bid from Bezos. So maybe it's for Bezos to come in and say, all right, uh, I'll give you $6.1 billion. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. I don't know. Um, but Schefter, it, it's Schefter, so I'm assuming that he's right and that, you know, somehow the Harris-Rails bid was at least creatively designed to look like a $6 billion bid. Uh, or maybe yeah. they came up to the $6 billion. Maybe. Um, but um, I've been told that that's, that's not true. Not, not as of last night anyway, but whatever you got two bidders, serious bidders for the team. And I think the big takeaway from all of this, Tommy is for anybody that was skeptical, you really would have a hard time being skeptical. Now you, you know, you can always hold out that, you know, one, two percent that Snyder changes his mind. Cause he's such a, you know, he, he's so impulsive and, 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 and so petty and, and doesn't want to look bad and look like he lost, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, this is happening. This is happening. Snyder is selling the team. But, but I think it is happening, and which is the, the only bottom line thing uh, for everybody, really, I think, in this case. But I understand the 1% or 2% that feel that he will make it messy and difficult and not as easy as it seems to be going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this may be part you know, of it. I mean, I think, I think that's reasonable. Again, I mean, he could wind up with a tractor full tra- trailer full of milk to dump on this thing <laughs> and turn the whole thing sour. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's capable of that. Uh, he doesn't seem to get joy out of winning without crushing uh, his perception that he's crushed and embarrassed an opponent, which he doesn't get the opportunity to do very often since he doesn't win very often. But if you assume that a lot of the leaking, or at least some of the leaking, has come from the Snyders, uh, 
to try to help generate more interest uh, or higher bids, that by definition means he's selling the team. You wouldn't go through yeah. all of these machinations and leak stuff and try to gener- you know, generate you know, a, a, a hotter market for your team if you really weren't legitimately serious about selling the team. I think we, I think we can move beyond that. I, I, I mean, of course, that could be famous last words, and here we are sitting here a month, two months from now, and now it's about whether or not they'll vote him out. Um, but the other story yesterday, there were a couple of others, but we've got to get to this one, which is... Robert Griffin III telling Rich Eisen on his podcast, quote, after Eisen asked, you know, hey, are you going to be involved in maybe buying the team? And he said, well, I'm going to be honest with you, Rich. When I hear that, I have been having some really great conversations with this group led by Josh Harris. And having an opportunity to come in on that ownership group, I'm like head over heels excited about that process. To be a player for that team, to not have my career go the way I wanted it to or the way the fans wanted it to in that city would be a full circle type of moment to come back and try to help that team and that organization build a winner the fans deserve. Now he's going to build the winner for us. That's something I'm really excited about. It's nothing that I can announce at this point. The conversations are happening, and I'm really, really excited about the potential there. At the end of the day, the fans will throw a parade when Dan Snyder sells the team, closed quote. They'll be so excited that Snyder sold the team that they'll be okay with RG3 back as a minority stakeholder. I don't know. Not a good move, I don't think, by Harris and the uh, and that bid if they bring RG3 th- uh, into this deal. What do you think? There's several vomit bags needed for, for this whole process. The first one is the continuation of the national media to have no grasp of what RG3 did here, what, how, what RG3's experience here in Washington, just to have little perspective as to what a fraud he was and what a destructive force he was. Okay? It's just amazing that that, that that I mean, that this doesn't exist outside of Washington. Are you sure you okay? know your why? Are you sure you know your why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah. Now, the second vomit part is the idea that the, the joy uh, of uh, a new owner will somehow come with this big wart that RG3 is one of the minority owners, and then he'll have something to say about this franchise you know, five times a day in between his daily pleadings of, of, of success and inspiration. I mean, look, I mean, there's, there's not much that can taint the, the sale of this team. There may be nothing that can, can taint uh, a new owner coming in. But uh, at some point when the dust settles and RG3 would be part of it, I, I think that would at least be a bad taste in, in, in the mouths of smart people who know what happened here. Yeah, I think the biggest disappointment would be that the ownership group that's about to replace Snyder wouldn't have been able to see this. 
you know, at some yes. point. Um, because we've long complained about how people in the organization don't know anything about the organization. They don't understand this fan base. Look, there are people that would be very happy with that, but it is a small oh, fraction of the people that were excited about him in 2012. I mean, you know, the the... The movement, hashtag the movement, was was the hashtag when when old Mike had finally moved on and they could do things the way they wanted to do them now. You know, we're, we're yes. hashtag the movement. We get to yeah. do what we want to do yeah. now. Um, and, They're in charge of the team yeah, now. Yeah, so, you know, we don't, we don't need another movement. So that is, disapp- if that's true, it would be disappointing, like you just said, that the, the new owners wouldn't do their homework and have people speaking to them that... Uh, you know, could give them a better perspective as to what's happened here. <laughs> you know, instead of getting caught up in in, in the RG three uh, Starfest. Yeah, you know, I mean, small minority stakeholders, whatever he would invest, or I don't know if they, God forbid, they actually think that he should come in as like an advisor or something like that, and be involved somehow. But if it's just as, you know, like he obviously doesn't have the money to be a big stakeholder. He doesn't have Magic Johnson. No, he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot no. of money. Um, so uh, if they let him come in as part of, you know, another, uh, you know, a, a limited partnership group for a small um, taste, uh, he's still going to be out there. You're still going to know it, you know. There's a lot of uh, yes. people that are owners of sports teams that you would never guess that have small stakes in sports teams, but they don't say a lot about it. You know, they don't put it out right. there. They don't pr- They don't promote it. There isn't a hashtag, I own part of the Detroit Lions. Um, but with this guy in this franchise, you would know it. No matter how small the stake was, you would know it. Um, by the way, if he were involved, Lamar Jackson would be here yesterday. He would have already been here, uh, for, for, for whatever Lamar Jackson wanted. All right. Uh, what else? Jerry Jones. Did you see his comment that, you know, he wants, first of all, Goodell promised, uh, continued to promise transparency with the Mary Jo White investigation. Um, and then Jerry Jones uh, said that he knows uh, what's in the Mary Jo White report, and he wants to see it. He said he wants the Mary Jo White, White report about the commander's owner to be released. Why? Because I know everything in the report. I don't know what that means, though. I have no idea if it means that Jerry Jones knows there's nothing in it or there's a lot in it. I don't know that if he knew that there was a lot in it, why he'd be pushing for it to come out. Unless Dan... You know, and he are really on the outs. And he's kind of suggested they're not as tight or, quote, lovey-dovey as they used to be. Well, Jerry Jones is 80 years old. And hopefully, with a lot of luck, I'll be 80 years old someday. Uh, And hopefully I have a better grasp of what I'm saying than Jerry Jones did. Because like Roger Goodell said, that's not really possible. I mean, you know... I mean, they haven't spoken to Dan Snyder yet, so there is no complete investigation. So how would he know everything in the investigation? Well, he knows everything in the investigation as of now. I mean, he's, as of now. we know that Dan Snyder has declined to be interviewed by Mary Jo White. I'm not saying that he knows everything that's in the report as if the report's final. I'm not sure he suggested that, although it's probably close to final because I doubt Dan Snyder is going to talk to Mary Jo White. 
He's got no reason to talk so to her as, as an outgoing owner. Yeah, I doubt that as well. Um, I, just, I just think Jerry doesn't know what he's saying half the time. All right, let's, uh, let's get your thoughts on the Nats season. Uh, opening day's tomorrow. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Tommy, tell us about our good friends at Shelly's Backroom. Well, there's so much, there's so much good to talk about with Shelly's Backroom. Uh, it's not just the obvious, the great cigar selections that they have and the top-shelf whiskey that you can buy there and the great selection of beers, one of the best beer selections you'll find in Washington. But their food, people don't realize how good their menu is. Their menu is top-notch. Yep. Like this weekend, their specials included not just a cheeseburger, but the cheesiest burger, uh, Shelly's Custom Blend. <laughs> the uh, cheesiest. Angus, yeah. Yes, Swiss and cheddar on a buttered toasted roll Yummy. with red onions, lettuce, tomato. And then you can get, which is one of my favorites, the Shelly's Cordon Blue sandwich. I love Cordon Bleu. Grilled chicken breast topped with bacon and blue cheese yeah. on a deli roll. With, with ranch dressing, fries, and a pickles, and these are all reasonably priced. Right. I mean, these are, you could be, look, for Washington, D.C., food is expensive. Shelly's, not so much. I mean, really good prices, family prices. Like I, I've, I've said before, I know you don't think so, but Shelly's is the place that you can, if you want to come in, bring your family after walking around the museums, all the Smithsonian's and stuff, you know, Shelly's, Shelly's would be a unique experience. More, uh, more unique than maybe any place else you can bring them in Washington to have lunch. Will they be Shelly's upset? Back room. Will they? Hold on. Will they be upset when you and I ask for the cheesiest burger with no tomatoes? We can get away with that, right? <laughs> oh, we can get We're, away with all that. All right, good, 
good. We have we have you, we have the Kevin and Tom menu. Yeah, we, we have we, anything we, we want. We have this special kitchen menu. We just sit in the kitchen and yeah. they just bring us food. Um, That's Shelley's back it. room, 13th and F Streets Northwest. Great spot. Yes. Uh, so I was reading about the you know rules changes in baseball and what's happened during spring training. The pitch clock has shaved an average of 26 minutes off spring training games this year compared to last year. Last year, the, the average length of a game was three minutes and one, uh, th- three hours and one minute. Three hours. This year, it's two yeah. hours and 35 minutes. So the pitch clock is definitely speeding up games. And the violations on the pitch clock, remember this was thought, you know, the first time we saw it early in spring training, it was like, oh, God, are we really going to see this? Um, the number of violations in week one averaged 2.03 violations per game, and it fell to week four all the way down to just barely over one violation per game. So um, that's good news. I, th- I think that baseball I, – you know what? I don't have a strong feeling about this. If I go to a game, I don't care how long the game takes. If I'm watching the game on TV, I do care. Because it's really hard to consume a three-hour, you know, uh, baseball game, a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game in mid-July, you know, game number 87. That's hard to do, or game 115 or whatever it would be at that point. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but real quickly before we get to the Nets, what is your overall view of the pitch clock, of the bases being larger, which led, by the way, to more stolen bases per game in this in spring training, the shift – um, has increased batting average. Um, what do you think about these rules? Look, I think you have to acknowledge. Look, it wouldn't matter to me how long the game is, okay, whether I'm watching it on TV or in person. Uh, and, I, I, I mean, I'd be okay, personally, with baseball, everything remaining as is, although I really didn't like the shift at all. But you've you got to be smart enough to, to recognize that you know, we're not talking about the Ten Commandments being brought down from the from the mountain here. <laughs> you got to be open to change. Uh-huh. You know, and baseball is the least uh, of the sports to make changes. So I think it's important to open yourself up to change and and see how it works. So I'm I'm happy. You know, if if the games are shorter, I think most fans would be happy with that. You know, I think if there's more stolen base, stolen base is an exciting sport. It's an exciting part of the game, even though most, uh, you know, uh, most geeks will tell you that, you know, it, it's, it's not a great offensive weapon uh, to rely on. Uh, but, I mean, I, those Cardinals teams with Vince Coleman and Willie McGee right. stealing those bases, yep. those, were, those were exciting teams. Maury Wills, one of the all-time great base stealers, a D.C. legend. Uh, so I think the changes are good. The changes are worth implementing, and let's see how it goes. All right. How bad are the Nats going to be this year? I think they're going to be bad. I mean, you know, 55 win bad like last year, maybe not that bad, but they would need a tremendous amount of things to go right for them this year, just like last year, uh, for them to even compete. I mean, they have to play uh, 57 games against the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves during the course of a season. 
and that's $700 million in payroll combined. The Nats have an $80 million payroll. Okay, it's embarrassingly low. And it wouldn't have taken much to spend a little bit more to make this team a little bit more competitive because, like I've talked about before, this is a young, this is a young franchise. I mean, this is what, the 18th year uh, or 17th year that they, they've been around. And that's not even a generation of fans yet. So what are you saying? And that you, they've got to be they, – I'm saying is – They can lose interest. People can lose interest. Yes, yes. I mean, this is, this is what the learners did in the early in their ownership, okay? They drove people away from the stadium. Now, they validated it by turning around and winning, you know, with those number one draft picks that they got in Strasburg and Bryce Harper, winning the NL East four times, winning the World Series. But, but they never got that foundation built of a fan base that can get you through these tough times. And these are tough times right now. And I think you could be looking at an all-time low in attendance at Max yeah. Park this year. Last year, they barely drew 2 million fans. I think it'll be well under that this year. Look, they have some promising young talent. They have two young pitchers in Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray, who had both, both had good, relatively good spring training. Gray had an outstanding spring training. Uh, so they have a small group of core young players on this team. And I know they have more players in the pipeline, you know, as a result of the dismantling of the team with the trades of Scherzer and uh, Trey Turner and then Juan uh, uh, Soto. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're a couple years away. And, again, it's, it's important – to, for people to believe when they go to the ballpark that their team has a chance to win, okay? Not to win every game. If winning the World Series was, was, was the thing that, would, that most fans demanded, you know, most people wouldn't show up at the ballpark because, you know, your team might win a World Series once every 10 years, once every 20 years. It doesn't happen often. It's not like the Yankees of the 50s and 60s. Uh, so... It, 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 and you have an ownership that's checked out, you know? I mean, the learners, they're, they were trying to sell the team. That had stalled because of the Masson deal. That's kind of like handcuffed everything. So they're not going to put any money into it. $80 million is pathetic. I know it's not what the front office wanted. And I think they're going to suffer. And I think they're going to drive away fans. And I don't think they can afford to. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I mean, attendance last year, they finished 17th. I just looked it up. Now, you know, they I mean, they just didn't have the chance post World Series because of the pandemic. That will be, you know, a bl- yeah. that was almost yeah. an unrecoverable blow uh, that they took um for a franchise like this. They had a chance to really lock in, you know, a solid 30 to 35,000 a night for the next several years. Um, had they had that opportunity, not to mention all of the other revenue that would have come their way um, with a normal season. But, you know, they were averaging, you know, in the you know top 11 to 14 in the league in attendance, you know, over 30,000 for several years in a row, starting back in like 2014, 2015. Last year, they finished 17th, averaging 25,000. Uh, a night, and I think you're right. I think it's going to drop significantly. I think they're going to be down like around 20,000 average attendance, bottom third of the league. 
Um, but it's more than that because people, you know, like the night out going to baseball games. I like going to the park, whether I'm super into them winning that night or not. Um, I I think the interest level overall from media, you know, sports talk radio, podcasts, um, the television, you know, uh, viewers, uh, that could really dip significantly, especially if they yes. get off to a bad start because we're in the midst of an owner yeah. selling Washington's football team. Um, a you know th- that's going to be the number one story here over the next couple of months in this town. And then before, when that ends, we'll be in training camp, you know, getting ready for the season with a new owner for the first time, you know, fresh off of a parade, um, you know, figurative, I think, I don't think we're going to actually have a literal, literal parade downtown. I don't think that'll happen. Maybe it will. Let's see what the mayor decides to do. Um, but, uh, you know, they could really get lost this particular season unless somehow they're surprisingly competitive. And by the way, surprisingly yeah. surprisingly competitive means, you know, having a winning record, you know, through the month of June. And that just doesn't seem likely. No, it doesn't. And and again, uh this is these are owners that never understood the value of creative marketing, of going beyond the norm in trying to sell their product. They've never grasped or understood the value of that. What's ironic and I'm writing a column about this for tomorrow's paper because they're honoring Ted Lerner tomorrow before the game, the late owner. Uh, he's going to be inducted into the Ring of Honor uh, as one, one part of the festivities. Is that he spent years trying to buy a sports franchise. And then when he got one, he treated it like another shopping center. You know, they ran it like, like they do their shopping malls. And I just don't understand that. If this was your dream... Why didn't you treat it like that? Yeah. I mean, you you covered that in the early days. You thought it was horrible. And then they did start to spend on players. They did. They yes, spent they did. on players. Just look, look, Scott Boris ran, ran the Nats in the early days. I mean, Boris was almost a family member for the learners. Okay. Yeah. So, uh... I mean, when they talk about the plan, that was the Boris plan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we're done for the day. All right. Good job today. I will talk to you next week. I'll be back tomorrow. Okay. I'll see you. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.